started going down department stores, literally looking at who are all the brands that they carry and how many of those brands are designers of color and realized that less than 1% at the time were designers of color. And I was like, okay, this is it. I have to at least try to be a part of the solution. Hello everyone and welcome back to You Have to Wear Something. The one thing that the Omarion variant can't stop is me running my mouth, unfortunately for y'all. How's everyone doing? It's almost over. I am not ready for 2022. Um, But that's not what this is about. This is about insecure. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I was extra emotional by the end of the Insecure finale which led me directly to the last season documentary. And the real story here is not just a phenomenal portrayal of black womanhood in LA, but also the behind the scenes progress and opportunity that Issa made by intentionally giving first time writers and directors a chance they would have never had in what is still white Hollywood. That's what my tears are for because companies are still claiming that they cannot find black candidates when we are literally qualified for everything, particularly black women who remain the most educated group in America. Why did Insecure make black women feel so good? What I noticed when non-black people write black characters, it's always either we are ghetto as fuck and it's pain porn or we are extremely virtuous and sacrificial, almost saint-like, like Whoopi and Ghost comes to mind, or the Green Mile, hell, Hattie McDaniel and Gone with the Wind, just thrown in there in the peripheral to support white main characters. So it was more than refreshing to see black women by a black woman, because all human beings are complex and flawed. The authenticity was on point with black women actually wrapping up their hair at night, for instance, like we really do, or the liberal use of the N-word, which exists as a term of endearment and an insult at the same time. Originally, Insecure was going to be a workplace drama based on Issa's awkward black girl web series, but I love that someone noticed that the real show was a sisterhood between Issa and Yvonne Orgy's Molly. And it's not always being copacetic between them. We grow up and y'all know that adult relationships get challenging as we grow out of who we were. And sometimes you have to leave people permanently behind or things dissolve naturally. The casting was progressive, with the two main characters being dark-skinned women with black features and imperfect bodies. The lead black woman no longer has to be this light-skinned beauty queen, normally of mixed race. No shade at all, but diversify your casting even within the black community. Natasha Rothwell is thick, thick, and sexual, and one of the funniest characters. Remember that she was marginalized and a victim of microaggressions as a writer on SNL. Usually in our fat phobic society, the curvier best friend has has no love interest, no life, and she's again stuck in the peripheral as a supportive bestie, very mammy-ish, and there is little of that, but she still gets a happy ending. 
I think Amanda Seals played her light-skinned, bougie black girl role to a T and also shows that she can make fun of her own light-skinned privilege in Hollywood. So, so very meta. But let's get into this wardrobe and overall looks. I love the commitment for natural hair for Issa and the creativity brought to every episode. I mean, so many styles. Like, I'm a person that can't do my own hair. When I looked at it, I was like, wow, you can really do so much with natural hair. First season, it looks like Issa is growing out of a buzz cut, and by season five, it's pretty long and healthy. Um, natural hair is hard to maintain. For those that have the hair stylist hand, God bless you, but I don't. I'm terrible with my hair. But it needs to be seen on screen to debunk, debunk the stigma around black hair. It's still considered unprofessional and downright ugly, even to people in our own community. But in stark contrast, Molly was a weave whisperer, most of the show displaying that black women are still black and sidelined, whether their hair is straight or not. I had comments about my blowouts when this natural trend picked up speed, and it's not for everybody. We are still black in our own way at the end of the day, and all expressions of black womanhood need to be accepted, whether that's braids, long nails, short nails, please leave black women and how they wanna style themselves alone, please and thank you because we never asked your opinion. In terms of costuming, Ayanna James definitely set the tone for the show with the vintage tees and Molly's luxury corporate style and using black designers. The torch was passed to Shiona Torini, who continued to evolve Issa's style as she earned more money over time. She did the same with Lawrence, who goes from unemployed on the couch to leading man in Silicon Valley, showing a strong black male lead taking interest in aesthetic all around, from his apartments to his Carl Thomas turtlenecks. I stand. To the five men listening, you can do a bit more, just saying. But from the very beginning, the show always featured black designers like Retro Amandi, pieces from Black Market Vintage, Off-White, Pierre Moss, Brother Vellis, Kushnian Ox, and Christopher John Rogers. And of course, in life, you layer black designers with staples like Vintage Levi's. And Molly, being a black woman in white male-dominant corporate America, is going to have more luxury buying power. So there will naturally be more European labels like Tibby, Fendi, and, and how crazy beautiful was that Oscar de la Renta wedding gown. And while all women could relate to parts of Sex in the City or even girls, this is not the black version of those shows. It has its own identity with black Los Angeles as the backdrop showing us South LA in a positive light. Not a place you should avoid when moving to LA as I was told before coming here from Chicago. Not all Inglewoods are bad, y'all. There are way too many I feel seen moments for black women to keep up with from rocky love lives to making bad decisions. And lastly, it would not be an excellent black show without excellent black music. Raphael Sadiq created original music for Insecure, and Solange previously served as music consultant. Issa perfectly pairs music with the moods and the feelings of all the characters and keeps us in our feelings. Music is meditation in that way, very powerful. 
Thank you, Issa, for this ode to Black women, Black culture, and most importantly, giving Black creatives a chance and proving that we can produce incredible projects without all the experience companies claim that we need. Goodbye, Insecure, and I can't wait to see what Issa shares with us next. Until next time, peace.